That Triathlon Show, Episode 30. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. As always, I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, we're completing our series about uh, training zones and uh, talking about training zones for running, how to determine your training zones and how to use them in the final leg of the triathlon, which is the run, obviously. So if you're new to the show, please go back and listen to episodes 27, where we talked about training zones for swimming and how you actually might want to do something even more specific than training zones and base your training on the precisely prescribed paces and episode 29 where we talked about training zones for cycling. And that episode is actually forming the base for today's episode because running and cycling are fairly similar when it comes to how to use training zones. So we also talked in episode 27 about why you should use training zones and what the purpose of them are. And uh, just a very, very quick recap. You want to be training at the right intensity at the right time to make your training as effective as humanly possible. And that is the purpose of training zones. You will get something to stick to. However you measure your intensity, you will have a zone that you want that intensity to remain in based on what the purpose of each single workout that you do is. So uh, yeah, that's uh, in uh, the short and sweet purpose of, of training zones. And that applies to swimming, to cycling and to running as well. So uh, yeah, I'm as you notice, I'm moving fairly quickly here because um, I don't want to make this episode go on for too long because we have been talking about many of these things in those previous episodes that I mentioned. So I don't want to repeat myself too much since most of you have probably been following along for some time already. All right, but let's talk about how you measure intensity so that you can uh, you can set your training zones and stick to training zones for running. And basically, we have uh, three different metrics that you can use, and those are pace, heart rate, and power. And uh, you will probably be familiar with uh, both pace and heart rate for running. Many of you are using it. Uh, power is new. It's fairly new. And I immediately want to direct you to episode seven of that triathlon show where we talked uh, with Jim Vance, who is one of the, he's a great triathlon coach, one of the most well-known coaches out there and an author. And he is, among other books, he has authored Run With Power. So the first book on running with power meters, because power meters for running is a new concept. They haven't been out for more than a couple of years or so. But uh, that episode was great and uh, that chat about, we talked about other things as well, but uh, what we talked about with regard to running with power was really, really something that opened up my eyes for running with power and made me invest in a stride power meter. And as I record this episode on June 1st, 2017, I actually just today got in my hands my brand new stride power meter. So I'm looking forward to putting that into use and see see how this uh, little experiment turns out i'm sure it i wouldn't have gotten it if i wasn't completely convinced that this is 
the real deal that running with power is uh, going to be amazing and that's what, among other things what we talked about with with jim he said that world records will, will fall and i know that many others like joe friel for example are of the same opinion and uh, yeah i am on the same same opinion as well even though i haven't even run with it yet but uh, i'm sure it will be a big breakthrough for running just as it was for cyclists when power meters first came along and uh, cyclists and coaches laughed at it and said that nobody would ever fi- find any use for that it's kind of the same as uh, when computers first came along and somebody said that uh, there will only ever be room for at most five computers in the entire world because there's no use for many more than that Anyway, I'm getting a bit off topic here, but pace, heart rate, and power are the the three ways that we measure intensity on the run. And uh, you can also reference to that episode on intensity for cycling, where I go into more details on this. But basically, pace and power are direct measures of output. What are you producing? What what are you getting out of, of your running? As opposed to heart rate, because heart rate is an input and it's affected by many many external and internal variables like heat, sleep, uh, and uh, recovery level, caffeine intake, and so on. Pace, even though it's an output, which is uh, kind of, it's an objective metric, it has its limitations due to terrain and uh, and wind as well uh, affects the pace a bit. So, so that it has its limitations, which is why people are getting more and more excited about power because power is always measuring the work rate that you are doing. So whether you're going uphill or downhill or into a headwind, depending on what power meter you have, it doesn't matter. Your The power you produce is always an objective measure. So power and pace are in that way superior to heart rate. But, but as I mentioned on the cycling episode as well, there is definitely room for using heart rate in your run training. And to give you a, a 10,000 foot overview of how I like to use heart rate and pace, which it has been, I have been using those two up until now when I will be starting to use power. The way I've been using it is mostly prescribing heart rate zones for training sessions that are low intensity so zone one or so two like active recovery and aerobic endurance long slow distance but as soon as we get some sort of quality in it like zone three which is tempo zone four which is uh, threshold and zone five which is vo2 max then uh, i like to use pace as uh, the zone that i that i use so it's trying to hit the pace zones and not the heart rate zones because i don't want to sell myself short on uh, like just because for, let's say i have had a couple of cups of coffee that day and and my heart is elevated because of that or because it's hot i i might be just uh running too slowly compared to what i could do if i would go by heart rate or the other way around potentially as well so pace is more objective and on those quality workouts as we have been talking about you want a precise prescription to make sure that your training is as effective as possible and that precise prescription is pace heart rate is not as precise heart rate lags by around about three minutes so for vo2 max intervals for example heart rate is essentially useless i'm completely honest when i say that my opinion is that heart rate is pretty useless on vo2 max workouts so um, so yeah stick to pace for that and that is the 10,000 foot overview. Obviously, now with power coming into the picture, 
power can potentially replace pace or work in conjunction with pace pace i should say probably because um pace is always going to be how you win races not power you want to move as quickly as possible all right so uh the zones that we have in running are essentially the same as in cycling you may remember that i talked about the andy coggan zones for cycling and he uses six zones or even seven depending on how you count for running i kind of like to use just five but they are the first five zones of the coggan system as well so zone one is active recovery these are very very easy recovery runs and to be honest, most age group triathletes don't need to do these runs. There's no room in the program for this. If you're a runner and you do a high amount, a large volume of training, then definitely you will be doing these zone one runs. But for triathletes, uh, generally not so much. Zone two is aerobic endurance. And these will be your bread and butter runs where you try to build volume safely and effectively, not going too hard, easy conversational pace, but not as slow as uh, those active recovery runs. And it's often also the intensity of your long run, basically long, slow distance. Then we have zone three, which is tempo. And that is also often the race pace intensity for many triathlon and running distances. It's uh, not as uh, as high as a threshold. Threshold is, uh, remember, the functional threshold is the intensity that you can hold for one hour in a race. So, for example, in an Olympic distance race, you will probably be running at above threshold pace most of you uh, some of you may be running at threshold but uh, when you go up to 70.3 the half distance or full distance triathlons then the zone that you will be running in is uh, most likely zone three or even zone two in a marathon in an ironman but uh, so so zone three is still a very good way to uh, to train for an olympic distance race because it's uh, depending on how you do it you can get a lot of stress even though the pace is slightly slower you can get a lot more out of that so so zone free is often kind of at least overlapping with the race pace zones that that you want to be training for specifically when you get closer to your races and want to be training at those race paces it's also obviously good to do the odd tempo run now and again but uh, you know the concept of polarized training uh, which uh, I'm kind of a proponent of, although I don't think that you should take it and that you need to take it to the extreme and and be completely rigid about that. I'm not of that opinion for sure. But further out from your your races, essentially, I like to do the quality workouts at zone four or zone five, so higher intensity than zone three. And zone three comes into play more when you get closer to races and then you do workouts that are supposed to simulate races. All right, so zone four is then is your threshold pace. And remember, the threshold is the intensity you can hold for one hour in a race situation. So that's simple. A couple of classic examples of workouts would be a continuous 20-minute run at threshold pace or threshold power. Or you could do three by 10 minutes with four-minute jog recoveries. So those 10-minute segments would be at threshold pace as well. And finally, we have zone five, which is VO2 max or aerobic capacity. These are hard intervals of just a few minutes each. A classic example here would be the five by three minutes with, uh, let's say, two minutes recovery, jog recovery. And these are the intensity here is uh, 5k pace or, or faster, essentially. So as you can see, these are these zones are very similar to what we had on the bike and also just as we had on the bike and talked about in the last episode, 
the zones that you use for your training. So these zones are based on percentage points of your functional threshold. Whether we're talking about heart rate zones or pace zones or power, you will always have a functional threshold heart rate and a functional threshold pace and a functional threshold power. And power zones, pace zones and heart rate zones are always certain percentages of those functional thresholds. And I will make a spreadsheet uh, that you can download on the show notes page on that triathlonshow.com that will calculate uh, all of these things automatically for you. You just need to input your your functional thresholds. And I will also have instructions for how to do those tests to determine your functional thresholds. So uh, look out for that. As I mentioned before, the show notes sometimes come out a couple of days late because uh, I'm busy essentially but i try to get it up as quickly as possible if you want to make sure that you don't forget send me an email right after you have listened to this podcast or do it right now michael at scientific michael with a k and uh, just tell me that you want the spreadsheet when it's ready and i can send it to you at that point so uh, yeah that's uh, that's a way that you can do it or just go to that triathlonshow.com if you listen to this a bit later than the first day when this is released and and you can see if the show notes are already available for this episode which is episode 30 on that triathlonshow.com all right so uh, so yeah in that spreadsheet you just enter your threshold values heart rate pace or power and based on percentage points you will be able to get your zones but uh, we need those threshold values and that's done with testing just field testing just as we did for biking and uh, obviously you can determine your thresholds in a lab, but that's expensive. And if you do that, essentially what you have to do is uh, do that again and again on, let's say, every couple of months or every three months to keep your, your thresholds current. And that's getting really expensive and uh, logistically challenging. So for not too much added value. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know why you would do that unless you're very curious I would do that uh, definitely if there was a, a university nearby where I could be a test person and I could go and get those for free. But um, I'm not going to be bothered going and paying for that when I know that a field test is going to get me just as good data to to be able to perform my training effectively. So those field tests, uh, the one that I prefer is a 20-minute test. So you will warm up for around about 20 minutes, including some stride outs. So that would be accelerations of 20 to 25 seconds. You start with just a 10-minute easy jog, but then start doing some uh, dynamic uh, movements and drills and some stride outs. So I like three or four times 25 seconds of accelerating to 95% effort throughout that stride out. So accelerating throughout, not going at full effort for 25 seconds, and then walk recoveries. And then some more easy jogging, another stride out just before starting the 20 minute test and then you go all out pace well for the 20 minutes so try to go at an even steady pace and your functional threshold values will be 95 percent of what you can sustain for that 20 minutes so so a bit slower or lower than what you got for your 20 minutes since an hour is much longer than 20 minutes obviously 
So for your pace, it will be 95% of your 20-minute test result. And for your heart rate, it will be 95% of your average heart rate for the 20-minute test. And for your power, it would be 95% of your average power for the 20-minute test. Some people like, for example, Joe Friel, go back to episode one, where Joe Friel was our on guest and uh, Jim Vance on episode seven, as I mentioned prefer to use 30-minute tests, and then they take the last 20-minute segment of that 30-minute test and use those without reducing by 95% or reducing to 95%, I should say. So use straight away that tw last 20 minutes as uh, the average of that as the functional threshold. So that's another option. And I've actually been doing that quite a bit last year, 2016, when I was when I was training for, for my 2016 races, I was using that system. I'm starting to prefer the 20-minute tests, but both are good. Both are very good options. Uh, so you can choose whichever one you prefer. And also for power, in uh, Jim Vance's book, Run With Power, there's uh, a test that was originally developed by Stride, which is the 3-9 test, which is a 3-minute all-out time trial, followed by 30 minutes as 5-minute uh, walking, 10-minute easy jog. Five minutes walking again, five minutes easy jog again, and a five minute walk, and then finally a nine minute all out time trial. So this has some. Uh, if you listen to the episode on swimming, swim training zones, this has some similarities with the CSS test where we also did two time trials. But these ones are three minutes and nine minutes, and then you take your average power for the three minutes and add that to your average power for the nine minute test. So let's say you got four hundred and 350 watts as your averages then you would add those together get 750 and uh, you would divide by two so that would be 375 and take that times uh, 0 0.9 so 90 percent of that 375 would be your lactate threshold power and uh, Jim wrote in the book that it gives you similar results to usually to those 30 minutes tests as well so that's an option all right, so I will be a bit quicker today with going over these percentage points where the zones cut off because we covered these in detail in last episode on uh, cycling. But for heart rate, the percentage points that are used are based on Andy Coggins training zones. But as I said, I found that in practical use, the active recovery, even though it really, really is an active recovery, and the same for the endurance, the Coggins zones are a bit low in my opinion and in my athletes' opinions. And this is definitely not anything about us going too hard or anything. But uh, so the, I have researched this extensively, not researched as in published papers or anything, but uh, in the field. So I, this is my personal opinion again. Andy Coggins is definitely not wrong, but but I prefer to use percentage points of. 75% of lactate threshold heart rate is the upper limit of zone 1. For zone 2, it's 85% is the upper limit. The upper limit of zone 3 is 95%. And this is where me and Kagan start to agree again. And for zone 4, I actually have a lower upper limit than Kagan because I find that heart rate, once you get past my upper limit, which is 1.02, so 102%, then you are, your pace is always, always in the VO2 max zone. So that's why I use 1.02. Coggin uses 1.05. For paces, this is where things get interesting and very different compared to running. I've made my own 
zones, again, based on what I've seen in the field. And the way I did it is that I used some online calculators from some running gurus like uh, Greg McMillan and Jack Daniels. They both have uh, calculators and they are, as I said, running gurus. Everybody in the running world knows of these. It's like uh, it's like Joe Friel in the triathlon world, basically. And also I used Matt Fitzgerald's 8020 zone calculator. So all of those three people have their own pace and heart rate zone calculators online and i used several different testing points from myself and my athletes and i came up with my own test uh, data and inputted those threshold values in in those different calculators and and looked at what the output for different zones were with different calculators and then i tried to see how they overlapped and where they didn't overlap and come up with a compromise that would be the best of all worlds and a compromise of all the three essentially so what i got then was that when you have your lactate threshold pace if you multiply it by 1.29 so 29 percent slower than your lactate threshold pace that is the upper limit of zone one the upper limit of zone two is uh, multiplying your lactate threshold pace with 1.14 for zone three and the upper limit you multiply by 1.04 and for zone four threshold you multiply by 0.97 so you are now going up to three percent faster than your functional threshold I use lactate threshold and functional threshold and anaerobic threshold uh, interchangeably, uh, as I talked about in the last episode. So sorry for that if that confused you. But yeah, so the zone four goes up to 3% above your threshold. So it goes uh, to 6% below and 3% above your threshold. So it is a range and not just a point. And then finally, for VO2 max, you multiply by 0.8. So it goes to 20% above your threshold. And uh, so, yeah, those are the pace zones that I use. And finally, for power, these power zones are based on, again, Jim Vance's Run With Power book. So uh, this works like heart rate. So to get the, the upper limit of uh, zone one is 81% of your functional threshold power. Uh, I'm going to say FT power from now on. And zone two, the upper limit is 88% of FT power. And zone three, 95% of FT power. Zone four, 5% above. So multiply by 1.05. And uh, Jim uses uh, two zones here for zone five. So so five, five and zone six. And so five, he calls high intensity. So it goes to 15% above. So you multiply your FT power by 1.15. And then your VO2 max zone, you multiply by 1.28 for the upper limit. So that is zone 6 in his power system. So finally, let's talk a bit about how to train using zones as we have in the other uh, episodes in this series as well. And for running especially, I find that I really have to say it's impossible for me to really, really tell you because it's so individual. Essentially, you could use the framework I put out for the bike episode. It could go for running. But then again, things like injury, propensity to uh, how, how prone you are to uh, to injuries will come into play here, and your background in running, and much more than it does for cycling. But uh, I know that you want actionable advice, so I did go out and create some frameworks. But um, disclaimer here: I don't take any liability unless I coach you, uh, because. Uh, these are not one-size-fits-all frameworks. But okay, if you run two days per week, one run would be a longer run in zone two. 
And the other would be a zone four or zone five quality workout, depending on where you are in your season. If you run three days per week, it would be again the zone two longer run. It doesn't have to be extremely long. Like an hour and a half is plenty, plenty long, in my opinion. And uh, then uh, the zone four, zone five quality workout, a threshold workout or VO2 max interval workout. And then the third run would be a brick run, which would also be pretty intense. It would be in zone three or zone four, but not too long. 10 to 20 minutes at most 30 if you're an Ironman athlete or maybe if you're closer to your race and you're training for 70.3s. And finally, for four days per week, again, a zone two long run. Zone 4, Zone 5, a quality workout. And then a Zone 1 or Zone 2, just building volume workout. And again, a brick run in Zone 3 or Zone 4. So another quality run there. So, okay, let's start to wrap up there. Just as a quick summary. I think that within two years, I will be completely focused on training with power in running as well as in cycling. But for now, pace and heart rate also have their place. And uh, heart rate, especially to hold you back in those lower intensity workouts, zone one and zone two workouts, to put an upper limit on how hard you can go. But for quality workouts in zone three, zone four or zone five, so tempo, threshold or VO2 max, use pace or power because those are direct measures of output. And so that ensures that you get the quality that you need to get into that workout. So, all right, that's uh, about it for today's episode. Thank you for sticking with me. Remember to go to that triathlonshow.com to get that uh, downloadable spreadsheet to calculate your training zones. And I will uh, include the cycling zones there as well and as the test protocols that you can use. But uh, if you listen to this immediately as it comes out on the first day, they might not be up yet. So you might have to wait for Monday or something. Or you can just email me to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and uh, tell me to send you it, the spreadsheet when it's released. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're new to the show so that you automatically get all the new shows when they are released. We have some great, great episodes coming up. I will be chatting to Mary Beth Ellis. I will have uh, Paul Newsom from Swim Smooth on. Mary Beth Ellis is uh, now retired pro triathlete, one of the best and most popular uh, female triathletes in her days. And now she's working as a coach for Tri Sado. And uh, the guys from Flow Cycling, which make makes aerodynamic wheels. And we had a great, I've already interviewed them. We had a fantastic chat about aerodynamics, kind of continuing on from the episode 25 we had with Nuno Placeres. And uh, we had some other guests as well lined up, some other cool topics uh, that uh, nothing is completely finalized yet, but uh, there's exciting stuff coming up. So you don't want to miss it. You want to subscribe to the show and you also want to tell your friends about it so they don't miss out. And uh, I would highly appreciate that. And remember to send me your feedback, what you hate about this show, because that will allow me to improve. So I do want that, not hate, but... Anything that I can improve on, uh, please let me know. Michael at scientifictriathlon.com All right. Thank you again for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.